So what does it take for us as educators to get kids who are creating and making and building at those younger grade levels to turn that into problem-solving skills in upper grades? Today's guest has some super ideas for us. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, educators, I'm so excited to have one of our best guests back on this episode. Matt Ziegler was on episode 217. He's a high school STEM maker, former art teacher, doing really just incredible stuff. I can't wait to hear an update on some of the things he's doing, especially on a brand new book that he's got coming out that really dives into making that makerspace idea really transform from those elementary levels to those high school levels. Welcome back to the show today, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. Uh, you you came on on episode 217. Definitely listened to it, educators. So many great ideas. And he told all about this wheelchair stroller project, which I love telling teachers about. But just tell educators a little bit about yourself and what kind of things you've been doing. Yeah, well, uh, so I am a makerspace educator at an independent school in Maryland, just outside of D.C., um, I've been at this school for about seven years, and it, it was a brand new makerspace and fab lab. You know, we have uh, all the all the fun toys that you would expect, and uh, and and probably a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, before that was was an art teacher, so I've been interested in creativity and coming up with ideas and and what students can learn from those types of classes for. A really long time, recognizing that uh, a lot of the students that end up in those classes are never going to become artists, are never, you know, going to become engineers or, or roboticists or whatever, but wanting to make sure that they come away with some really important stuff, some really important skills and learning from those classes. So I've been thinking a lot about that for a lot of years and uh, have kind of come up with my way of talking to students about the value of making and the value of creativity yeah. and uh, had an opportunity to write a book about it. Yeah. And so yeah. I've spent the last year working on that project uh, in addition to teaching students and working with kids and teams to, to design and build things, you know, anything from really simple, low tech stuff to pretty high tech, sophisticated things. And uh, it's, it's just always interesting and always different. You know, my curriculum never looks the same from year to year because it's yeah. often student generated and an opportunity generated, you know, uh, but I want to make sure that I can point to things that students are gaining from that class more than just technical skills, which are important, but also skills that they can apply in other areas of their life. Yeah. Something you said, Matt, is really powerful. I mean, you, you're this art teacher and you know, not every kid in an art class is, you know, maybe going to be that fantastic artist and, and use those art skills, you know, to become some sort of art degree, art job, art career. And the same thing goes for those STEM classes too, but we're giving them, like you said, those skills that allow them to transfer into all aspects of their life, whether it's their home, whether it's in in careers, even just little bits at a time. And, and you've tried to boil it down and, and you've kind of got this idea called Three Modes of Making. That's the title of, of your book coming out. But tell us a little bit about some of your classes because I love some of the titles of them and, and what um, what they really get kids to do. 
Yeah, sure. I So uh, I teach basically three different classes. Um, we work on a trimester system. So kids can take all three, one each trimester, or they can, they can take individually. Um, the, the first one that's sort of like an intro class, we call it the Maker Lab. And that's when I start introducing them to the three modes of making. And we do fairly quick projects, um, fairly small projects. Although some, you know, some students will push that to fairly large projects yep. uh, and, and really focusing on some of the creative process skills that uh, I want students to come away with, because sometimes that's the only class that they're going to take from me. And right. so to me, that is really important for them to get something that they can apply, you know, whether they're into math or whether they're into writing or whether they're into, you know, whatever it is, athletics. And then I teach a class called Making for Social Good. And that is a class that takes those same skills and those same modes of making. And the goal is to apply it to, uh, you know, uh, meeting a need in the world. So finding a client, finding an organization and designing and building something specific to help that person or that group of people. Um, and then I teach a slightly more advanced Maker Lab 2 class where really students work on one big project through all those modes of making to try to come up with some original idea, something that they really want and excited about that carries them through an entire trimester and, and really puts all those uh, skills that they've learned into practice to see yeah. whether they, you know, how far they can push their ideas. Yeah. And, and educators, if you're wondering, like, what, what do some of these projects look like and stuff? Of course, there'll be links in the show notes that you can, you can check out and connect with Matt. And, and see some of these things that he's doing. And, and um, really, I mean, one of your projects, you know, ended up on, you know, the national news and again, just, just tremendous stuff. When we give kids yeah. those opportunities to, to use those maker skills to, to solve a real problem, not one of those contrived problems that, right. you know, often are easier probably for us to come up with, but definitely don't have that lasting impact. And again, you've got this book coming out December 23 or January 24, uh, published by Make Magazine, and it'll be available on Amazon. In fact, it's available for a pre-order right now, and you can also get it through Make Magazine's website as well. But it's called Three Modes of Making, and what what are three modes of making, Matt? Yeah, so the three modes of make, making are uh, imitation, modification, and innovation. Uh, those in, in, are obviously, you know, I could have come up with all sorts of words, but the, those work nicely together. Imitation. Um, modification. And innovation. And innovation. All right. I'm, I'm, I got to I gotta make sure I remember those and maybe even put yeah. those up on my wall in my classroom. Imitation, modification, innovation. I guess if I'm putting them up on my wall, then that's the imitation step, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and then and then you can come up with your own uh, design for it. That becomes modification. And, and you'll come up with, a, you know, your own version, a better version, and that'll be your innovation. But, um, you know, I think that uh, for me, these were modes that they related to my experiences as an artist, they related to my experiences as a teacher and as a maker, you know, there are, I think the best metaphor that I often use is in cooking and, you know, just to show you that they can apply to all sorts of creative pursuits. You know, when you first start cooking, you're probably going to start working from a recipe. And so you are imitating what another person has done and whether we've made a box of mac and cheese or whether we've followed something, you know, from the joy of cooking or whatever, there's steps involved, there's tools involved, there's processes, there's materials. And the experience of that imitation project is in having that overview of 
an entire process and working at it step by step. So it, it's it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more, you know, paying attention to details. It, and it's a little bit more about not skipping to the end, which I know as a kid, I like to do, you know, <laughs> you get that new thing and you open it up and you just throw away the instruction manual and you try to put it together. Um, but, you know, it's actually really valuable sometimes to follow the step-by-step instructions. So, because you learn things that way, you learn skills, you learn about tools, you learn about materials through what other people have done. And yeah. so I think a lot of times, you know, in the maker world, we tend to discount that, you know, I've, I've heard people talking about kit projects in a really negative way, you know, like that kids aren't learning anything from building a Lego kit, according to the instructions, or, you know, building a robotics kit, according to the instructions. And, and I don't think they're learning how to build robots when they do that, but they are learning really important things about working in a process and in a procedure and following instructions and also evaluating instructions. That's another thing that we do when we talk about imitation. There are so many bad tutorials <laughs> out there and, and learning how to look at that and say, how would I make this tutorial better? How would I communicate what I need to do better or what this person means to do better? Um, if you go to Instructables, there's so many amazing things on the website Instructables. Yep. Some of those instructables are are unfollowable unless you are expert level at whatever it is that you know that that person is at yeah um, so that's where we start generally with that imitation with modification and cooking that's when we start to substitute things you know like uh i need this to be gluten-free for some reason you know I'm, I'm making it for a friend who needs that so what can i substitute for this set of ingredients that would make it gluten-free and then modify it to your needs or you know i want I want to make this with with chicken instead of beef, or I want to make it with fish instead of chicken, or I want or this bacon. Got to put bacon, bacon in it. <laughs> how, do you, how to add bacon properly? Right? And and so that implies when you're at that level that you have a certain knowledge of skills. You have a certain set of skills. You have a certain knowledge of the ingredients around that are possible. You know, you you don't just stick the bacon in. Like you have to prepare the bacon the way that you prepare bacon in order to add it in. Right. And so. That is the level at which we're taking things that exist in the world and we're bending them to our own desires. We're personalizing them. We're improving them. We're tweaking them. And, and you know, with students in the makerspace, it's a lot of like you know, personalizing things, taking existing things like water bottles and engraving on them or making stickers that fit their phones. You know, you have to you have to look at constraints. You have to measure things. You have to understand the object as it is in the real world in order to be able to modify it in the way that you want. And yeah. so that's a completely different set of skills and requires you to think differently about what tools should I be using? What materials will work here? You know, if I'm gluing these two materials, what glue is going to work? Not all glue you know, right. work the same. So you have to start evaluating a little bit at that modification level. And and I think you know a lot of a lot of teachers you know they they start out with that imitation aspect they have they have yeah. kids make a project that they've seen and and yeah this is going to work and and very quickly they start to realize you know even if they don't modify it the kids are going to start modifying it because exactly. they've all got their personality and they let that personality just show when they start making those projects and and that's again that's where that starts to make it their own and yeah. and they can 
like you said, customize the sticker so that it fits your cell phone case, not exactly. somebody else's, you know, cell phone case. And 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 that's great. And and educators, a lot of educators, I would think, are probably in those two stages. You know, yeah. when they're when they're working on projects and thinking, what are things that I can do with my class? But once you can build those skills with that imitation, that modification, taken to that next step of innovation is 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 so valuable, especially in a in a world that's you know more and more going to be filled with you know artificial intelligence and right. things like that. That creativity of being able to innovate on your own is is going to be crucial. Yeah, and and you know in the in in cooking, that's the part where we've now got our cupboard full of ingredients and we've got our fridge full of ingredients and we've got our cooking implements and we know how to use them. And now we start to experiment and you say, I think this might go well with that. And if I throw a little of that in there, it'll make something good. And you try it the first time and it's like, actually, that's not good. (laughs) I need to add a little bit more of this or I need to try that, you know, like uh, that, that chef is not hitting it on the first go most times, you know, they're, they're making it, they're tasting it, they're saying, they're evaluating it, and then they're remaking it. And in the makerspace, that's what, you know, prototyping and iteration is all about. And in that being in that explorational mode where you are trying things, you're testing it, you're seeing if it works, you're evaluating it, you're saying, no, it needs a little bit more of that or a little bit more of that. Uh, and, and that is where I think a lot of high school making courses have a lot of potential. Oftentimes the maker activities that we do in the lower and the middle school, they become these engineering and robotics classes, which are supposedly about innovation, but often are not really that much about innovation. They're about, you know, let's learn these coding uh, methods and let's learn these assembly methods. And here's this engineering concept. But when you really want kids to learn how to innovate and how to be creative, and come up with new ideas and learn the ways to pursue those new ideas, whether they're successful or not. That's the part where the makerspace, I think, offers that opportunity. It is a little unnerving as a teacher because often in order to let that happen, you have to let kids pick their own projects or you have to give them a lot of freedom. And they're going to inevitably come up with things that you don't know the answer to. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be willing to say, you know, I am... I am one resource for you in this project. I can help with this and this because I have knowledge in that area. But outside of that, you're going to have to go to YouTube. You're going to have to reach out to people with more knowledge about X, Y, Z than I have. And that's a great skill for kids too, because it teaches them, hey, I've got a lot of power in this. I've got a lot of agency. I can reach out to people. I can send emails to like, you know, college professors, and some of them will even reply and and help me with my project. You, you and I, I mean, we've, we've done lots of projects and and have lots of skills, but I'm sure you're the same as me. I get stumped too. And I have to look stuff up on YouTube and, you know, teachers don't think, oh, these two, these two guys here talking, you know, they, they know everything. No, we do not. And, and neither do the kids and, and neither do you. And that's, that's more than okay. But Getting that, I, I love how you how you brought that up, Matt. And and again, that's a focus of a lot of your book, Three Modes of Making. That let's take kids that are just making projects, um, those maker skills, and let's make sure that those high school classes that often just become a robotics and engineering 
you know, that assembly, that coding aspect still have that that maker innovation, that modification, imitation aspect to them. And you talked about uh, before the, the idea of a level of intention. Yeah. So there's a, a professor, an art professor named James Elkins. He wrote a book called Why Art Cannot Be Taught. And his entire premise is that, you know, there's a certain if in order to call something teaching, there should be a level of intention. You know, I am, whether I'm good at it or not, I intend to teach you some skill and then I can point at it and say whether you learn that skill or not. So there's the assessment point. And, you know, I feel like I, you know, I love free maker space time. I love just letting kids come in, showing them the stuff and say, you know, let's, let's figure something out. Let's build something. But at the end of that, I can't, clearly say that I have taught them something. They have definitely learned something. Um, but as a teacher, you know, where's the, where's my intention? How do I get my intention into that process? You know, like a, a good example is, is recess, right? I believe in recess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every kid should have recess, no matter how old they are. And, and, but I wouldn't say that that's the same as physical education. You know, they are getting exercise. They're having fun. It's engaging, but they wouldn't be able to tell me why certain activities are better development for this skill or physical, you know, strength or whatever. Um, whereas a physical educator would be able to, to intentionally teach them, you know, if you want to make your arms stronger, you do these sorts of activities and this is why. And so in the makerspace, I think we need to develop that. If we want makerspaces and maker education to really be sustainable in traditional education, in public education, you know, I think there's a lot of great schools out there that don't go that route. They give the kids free reign and the kids learn a lot and the kids are reflective and they have programs that are based around that. Um, but 95% of students in this country are in public education, traditional education, and we've got to make maker education fit and work for that and amplify that system because we're not going to you know, be able to change the entire system just through makerspaces. So uh, my book is the goal is to try to increase the intentionality of how students are learning these skills, how I'm teaching the skills and how I assess the skills. And I don't think in a makerspace or an art studio, it can never be 100 percent. You know, I hear what you learn. If, if it was, it would be OK now you know, write this piece of code like this. And yeah. now put this bolt in here. I can intentionally teach technical skills like that. But how do I intentionally teach something like being reflective over your process or evaluating one strategy over another? It's not going to be a perfect system. But uh, in the book, I try to lay out all of the activities that I've come up with that I think are most successful um, a lot of sort of visual thinking strategies to help students think about what they're doing and help help you as the teacher present it to them in a way that says not just, OK, problem solving can just be happenstance. You can just randomly try a bunch of stuff yeah. in a row until one of them works. That That is a strategy that I think we use all the time. Yeah. Uh, but there are more intentional ways to try to solve problems in the makerspace. Yeah. And here are some options and here's how you might decide which one to do. So, so a big part of the book is about like, here are some classroom techniques. Here are some strategies. Here are some visible thinking routines and reflection routines that you can use with the students. And then Here's how I assess them. Here's how I grade in the makerspace. Because, you know, as much as I would love to not have to, you know, grade kids on their work, 
if you're in a traditional educational environment, you have to you have to give some grades. And a lot of educators wonder about that. How do I do that? So maybe even just that chapter alone is going to be <laughs> going to be worth it for a lot of teachers listening today. And and I'm really looking forward to getting a copy of Three Modes of Making. Again, uh, teachers, educators, parents, even uh, the links to get a copy of that will be in the show notes as well. Of course, you can you can search on Amazon and stuff. Uh, releasing December 23 and January 24, right around there. What a great example. Uh, what a great analogy, Matt, of that idea, that difference between recess and physical education. Uh, that just, that I think just crystallized it in my mind, that that little bit difference between just that that free time, which kids need, and then that intentionality. And yeah, so excited to get a copy of, and look through and, and see those skills, those resources, those examples, uh, that idea of those three modes of making, imitation, modification, innovation. Any other last thoughts, Matt? Uh, again, educators, you could definitely uh, hear a lot more great ideas from Matt on that episode 217. But uh, any other last thoughts, bits of encouragement, wisdom, advice for, for the teachers, educators listening today? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that this is this is a problem that I, or a challenge, I guess, that I think will be as maker educators and people who are interested in creative work, whether it's writing or I mean, there's creativity in math, there's creativity in science, designing experiments. It's creativity is is everywhere. And so, you know, for me, I feel like the makerspace has that opportunity to be sort of like a force multiplier. And if and if kids can learn those skills in those creative ideas in the makerspace and then apply them to the athletics field or apply them to the science lab or apply them to their, you know, English class, it makes the makerspace indispensable. You know, it has to be there because it helps everything else. And I think that's our, I think those of us who are maker educators, STEM ed educators, we see that potential and we really want that to be everywhere. We want kids to have access to that um, and it doesn't have to be, I, I'm blessed with an awful lot of really expensive and great tools, but a lot of the work that we do is, you know, with cardboard and knives and tape and glue. And, uh, and some of those projects have been the most innovative and interesting because every kid feels comfortable getting into it. So I hope that the book allows teachers to, you know, expand that maker education idea more into the upper school and, and beyond if, if that's a possibility. But I think you know, there, there are no college, there are not many, I should say, college maker education programs. And so those of us who are doing it at this level, we're the ones that have to try to figure it out and make it as meaningful as possible. And, yep. and that, this is my, this is my effort to try to, to try to push that a little bit. Well, this three modes of making, it'll be a lot like a, a beginning textbook for a lot of people in, in that idea of, of making and 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 thinking to educators if you are an elementary teacher that's doing some making if you're a middle school or high school teacher that's doing some making some stem stuff in your classrooms get a chance ask the district ask your other schools say hey can we have a meeting where we get together and talk about what are those skills we're doing at those younger and older levels and and can we really uh, build that into a good flow think of how we can bring that intentionality into it and build off of each other just so important there uh, thinking Definitely. and i'm sure i'm sure that's something you probably do as well so 
<laughs> yep. So well, I have the advantage. I work with all K through 12. So I get to sort of manage it in my own head with a few other people that help me out. But, uh, you know, at a larger school, it, it can't just be one person. It has yep. to be multiple people yep. working together. Yep. And then one other thing real quick, Matt, you mentioned to me a couple other really great resources before we got on the show about being able to take a project and share it with some people. Yeah. So there's... um. There are lots of design challenges out there. The one that you know we talked about with the wheelchair project uh, is through Print Labs. Every year they they do their design challenge, but they work with an organization called Makers Making Change, which is based out of Canada, and and that is an organization that connects makers with uh, people that have needs. They have project ideas that you can use, but also people will post requests for um, for new products, and you can take those requests on. And there's also an organization that I learned about this past year called Tikam Olam Makers. And uh, they have people that will look at your project ideas that's it's service based again, and they'll sort of, you know, make sure that they meet certain engineering standards. And then uh, if, if they can come up with a fabrication method that can be done by other people, then they'll share out the instructions and, and post those projects out as well. So it's, it's a way to get ideas and solutions that you come up with in your makerspace out into the world, because sometimes that's the hardest part. You come up with this great idea, you build this great thing, um, but how do you actually then communicate it out to a really broad audience? That's what yeah. these websites do really well. That's, that's awesome. So we'll have links to those in the show notes as well. Definitely follow those educators and get a copy for uh, the maker teacher in your school uh, or get that book yourself and then share it with somebody else. Matt Ziegler, again, uh, incredible to be able to chat with you again and, and so much encouragement, uh, so much support from uh, great educators like you. Just really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks again, everyone, for listening to this episode of STEM Everyday Podcast. Remember, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave a review so more educators can find out about all the great ideas and great people like Matt doing extraordinary things each and every day to help make STEM and education really relevant for our kids each and every day. If you need to connect with me, head to DailySTEM.com and just keep on doing that most important work, educators. We are helping these kids do great things.